Good evening, citizens of Creep City. My name is Matt Shacha, and I'm coming at you over the airwaves of the internet. This is Radio for the Creeps. Radio for the Creeps is a horror podcast that I wanted to do because we've got this time spent indoors where we're all shut in inside. And, you know, I have a history of doing podcasts way back before I ever worked in the game industry. Um, I was on a podcast called The Multitap. I was a regular co-host there. And yeah, we did a whole bunch of different gaming news and everything like that. And I really enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed this format for talking about one of our, our hobbies. At the time it was video games. Now I'm focusing on horror, not just video games. Um, but for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt Chacha. I'm a lead community developer at Gun Media, makers of Friday the 13th, the game, and publishers of Layers of Fear 2. So yeah, uh, basically I, I used to have a video game podcast. Now I have a job in video games, but not just any type of video games, horror games. And uh, being a lifelong horror fan, I wanted to use my quarantine time, my shut-in time, to work on some new projects and things, one of which is Radio for the Creeps. As far as how often I'll be uploading, I'm not entirely sure just yet. We're going to kind of play it by year, and as long as there's a relevant episode to air, I'll air one. Um, Tonight we'll be talking about the Hellraiser franchise, mainly because I don't know if you've heard the news, but there is a new Hellraiser film in the works, as well as a new Hellraiser series, both of which have me extremely excited being a lifelong fan of Hellraiser. I was scared by the original Pinhead uh, there's a story on that, which I'll get to in a little bit, but yeah, the original Pinhead scared the shit out of me as a young kid, and I've been a fan ever since. A couple of smaller updates I wanted to get out to you guys now before we kick into the Hellraiser topic. Uh, for fans of physical media, particularly Blu-rays, uh, Arrow Video, which if you're not aware is one of the top, the, the premier companies for releasing classic horror films in on Blu-ray with a whole host of special features that... I personally love. Um, they're they're really, really, really great at bundling together good documentaries, good content, um, good behind the scenes stuff. Uh, you know the usual slate. You know smattering of audio commentary here and there, but also the documentaries are really what grabbed me about the Arrow Video releases. Uh, I have a Creep Show Two Blu-ray of Ar- by Arrow Video, and it's got these wonderful documentaries on it with Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger, and yeah, it's just they they do really excellent work. Well, they released, as of, I think, like four days ago, they released an Elvira Mistress of the Dark Blu-ray. Now, the Elvira Blu-ray comes, again, with a, I think there's a pair of featurettes on it, two documentaries that would be, as well as a behind-the-scenes on the making of some of the special effects in the in the movie. And, yeah, so if you're a fan of Elvira, Elvira, Elvira Mistress of the Dark by Arrow Video is uh, out now. You guys can get your hands on it now. Um, another physical media note is Underwater came out on Blu-ray. Uh, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'm a big, I'm a sucker for the kind of aquatic horror and Underwater does a pretty good job. Um, if I'm being reductive, which I hate to do, but for the sake of brevity, um, Underwater is kind of aliens in the Mariana Trench and it's a, it's a wonderful movie. It's, it's really excellent PG 13 horror film, which is great because if you're like me and you got little ones, it's something you can put on where, yeah, it'll scare them if they watch it too closely, but by the same note, it's not going to be the usual smattering of like boobs and blood running around the screen the entire time. So yeah, uh, underwater, really excellent aquatic horror, kind of Lovecraftian vibe to it. And, uh, it's out now on Blu-ray and also on your streaming platform of choice. 
So that's pretty good news. And speaking of streaming, um, the the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs is back. Uh, it's season two now for the last drive-in. They're, tonight they're actually airing. Tonight being Friday, May first, they're airing episode two of season two. Uh, episode one covered Chopping Mall and Blood Sucking Freaks, two classics. One being uh, Jim Wynorski kind of goofball horror taking place in a mall with robots and. It's, it's just a good time. And then Bloodsucking Freaks being the early trauma film. Um, it's kind of like a play on Grand Guignol where instead of the audience thinking it's real and it being fake, it the audience thinks it's fake and it's real. So yeah. Uh, Bloodsucking Freaks and Chopping Mall were in episode one. It was a great episode. You should definitely check it out. And then tonight is episode two and I have yet to know what they're airing tonight because I haven't watched it yet, obviously. I can't wait, but I haven't watched it yet. Um, so yeah. Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs is back, uh, and that's streaming on Shudder, in case you didn't know. One last note in the world of physical media that I wanted to mention is Waxwork Records putting out a really, really beautiful uh, vinyl soundtrack to The Thing, as well as another record called Lost Cues, which is some of the filler soundtrack from The Thing that is not a part of the original score and all that, not a part of the, you know... Morricone score it's it's something that Carpenter later had to add in after some editing process had been done there were some gaps in the soundtrack that he wanted to fill and so he filled them himself they were offering a two record uh, bundle with The Thing and The Lost Cues uh, LP and both of which you know bundled together for I think in the neighborhood of like $60 or something to that effect uh, yeah, but Waxwork Records, they're, they're the company behind those really beautiful sleeves and, and, and colored disc vinyl uh, soundtracks that you may have seen. Um, they do top-notch work. They have, I mean, the, the packaging, if you, again, if you're, if you're really a fan of physical media, part of it is opening it up and checking out that paper sleeve and all the cool packaging that goes along with a piece of physical media, right? I mean, that's why you want it in your hands as opposed to just streaming it and waxwork records their attention to detail on those things is i mean bar it's it's unparalleled in the world so uh yeah if you're a fan of physical media and you like listening to your your film soundtracks on vinyl check out waxwork records uh they just did the thing it's currently sold out but uh hopefully they'll do a repress of it because this thing i mean first off you can already tell by the product images this is going to be a beautiful record to own so for collectors You're going to want to keep an eye out for that one. So that covers the update on what's new in the world of horror. Now let's move on and talk a little bit about Hellraiser. Okay, for those of you who don't know, Hellraiser is a 1987 horror film directed by Mr. Clive Barker, and it's based on his his novel, uh, The Hellbound Heart. Now, Clive Barker was a little bit miffed about some of his works and how they were adapted to film. Um, so he chose to direct this one himself. Uh, obviously he knew, you know, one of the things about Clive Barker that I think was most admirable was that he knew he was out of his element and he knew that he knew what he wanted to do, but he also, he kind of had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and something to prove with Hellraiser in the respect that, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, uh, you know, Hey guys, I don't really like the way they're representing my work. And it's another to step up and do it yourself. And I think that that really was one of the most interesting things about the first Hellraiser film. 
And I think that that definitely played a role in making it what it was. The fact that Clive Barker had that chip on his shoulder after, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to come out and say, hey, you didn't do this the way I would have liked to have seen it done. Um, I don't like what you're doing with my work, so I'm going to do it myself. There's that underlying, and it's going to be better, which, you know, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that, but there, you know, under those pressure circumstances, a lot of the greatest work is made. So the original Hellraiser, 1987, directed by Clive Barker himself, based on the novel. Now, while Clive Barker has referred to the filming of Hellraiser um, with nothing but, you know, grand positive things to say, he also acknowledged that he was not out of his depth so much as uh, a little, you know, his inexperience showed. He knew he was inexperienced. He knew he didn't understand some of this stuff, and he knew that he was, like, jumping into the deep end of the pool here. Luckily, the cast and crew, they, you know, they all kind of pulled together and worked, you know, worked for what we have. Uh, and the outcome was, in my opinion, one of the best movies of the 80s as far as horror is concerned. So, um, yeah, there now, as far as the 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 issues with production, those are anywhere from the simple fact that it originally was filmed and planned to have taken place in England. And then later it was decided, no, this takes place in the U S. So they go back in, they redub out some of the English accents and, and all of that. That's, you know, already that's a recipe for disaster and it's something that's later criticized. But so imagine having to do that, having to go back through and say, yeah, now this takes place in the U S so all of those British accents, we need to get rid of them and we're going to overdub them. So we have some American sounding voices and all the other bits for a, for a writer to have this be their first outing as a director, there definitely were some challenges. And this is the part in the podcast where we're going to record scratch. Pause and say, if you haven't seen the original Hellraiser, you go do that. We'll be right here. We'll wait. Go ahead. Pause the pause the podcast on Spotify. Go watch Hellraiser. Come back and then we'll talk. We're all, yeah, we're all going to wait right here. Okay, so now that you've seen the original Hellraiser, this film kind of has a similar... The, the franchise has a similar vibe to it like a lot of films. I, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, and I have this belief that all of these great film franchises, they've got about three, three films in the can before they start to like go off the rails, right? There's like usually a really solid trilogy, and then shit starts to get weird. Um, there's exceptions to the rule, obviously. You know, you can't talk about, say, Friday the 13th without mentioning Part 4. Uh, Friday the 13th Part 4 is probably uh, one of the best, if not the best. You know, some people would argue it's the best. So there's exceptions to the rule. But ultimately, the first three max, and then you start really getting away from that source. And that's when, like, second and third and fourth layers of canon around the franchise start getting rolled in. And it's, you know, villains start ending up in space and shit like that. And weird things start happening, right? So... The first three is usually where you have your, your strongest showing. And for Hellraiser, it's really the first two, in my opinion, at least. Um, Hellraiser, directed by Clive Barker, 1987. That's a great one. Hellraiser, uh, Hellbound, I'm sorry. Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, uh, directed by Tony Randall. 
Tony Randall was the edit, one of the editors on, I think he might have been uncredited, but he was one of the editors on Hellraiser 1, and he later directed Hellraiser 2, and, and as much as it's kind of a uh, mixed feeling there, they, he, they, they, they felt like they were staying true to the source material. Um, after Hellraiser 2, Hellbound Hellraiser 2, it starts to go off the rails. But the interesting thing about the Hellraiser franchise is they got to space really fucking quick. Because Hellraiser Bloodline, you know, Pinhead in Space, uh, that was the fourth film in the franchise. So by number four, they were already, you know, they jumped the shark enough to end up in space with Pinhead. So Hellraiser 1 is 1987. Hellraiser Bloodline is 1996. But let's not skip around here, actually. Let's, let's get this into, let's, let's lay this all out. Hellraiser 1, 1987. It's a, it, Mixed reviews critically, but it's a success. Hellraiser 2, 1988. It's a success. Again, mixed reviews, but it's financially and for all intents and purposes, it's a success. Hellraiser 3, on the other hand, that one comes up. They start breaking from that yearly cycle, right? They're, they're, you can see already they're, they're putting together the material. It's not existing source material. Hellraiser 3 comes out in 1992, so now you're expanding that timeline a bit. 87, 88, 92. And we took four years to figure out what the hell we were going to do with this. And by the way, Pinhead is trapped inside a concrete pillar sculpture thing and some weirdo sexual deviant, you know, is going to get the pillar and, I don't know, he kills a girl. And it, it's... Hellraiser 3 isn't terrible. There's some really great scenes in it, particularly toward the end when the Cenobites start really getting off the leash a little and it, it gets, it goes off the rails and it's a good time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely got its holes, right? Uh, and now then let's talk about Bloodline. So here we are, it's 1996. We're going to do Hellraiser Bloodline, right? Uh, why don't we go to space? Why don't we take Pinhead to space? I mean, it's only been, it's been less than 10 years of making these movies. Let's just take them to space already, I guess, was the thought process there. It took Jason like 20 years. So yeah, 20 years for Jason to go to space. Uh, Pinhead, he's, uh, he's an overachiever. He's going to do it in less than 10, whatever. Anyway, that's not to say that it's not good. Because again, going back to my theory on trilogies and how usually the, the original three from the trilogy, that's really where the meat and potatoes of the franchise is. Uh, now, again, there are exceptions to the rule, but also I'm not saying, just because I'm saying that the core material in the trilogy is the best material of the franchise, I'm not saying that any of the films outside of that trilogy aren't worth anything. I think that there's a lot of great films, you know, and I don't mean to keep going back to Friday the 13th, but for instance, Friday the 13th, part seven, part six, um, those are great films. Um, with Hellraiser, later on down the line, you have Hellraiser Inferno, directed by Scott Derrickson. Uh, Scott Derrickson directed Sinister, and he also directed the Doctor Strange Marvel movie. Um, Hellraiser Inferno, in my opinion, was one of the great Hellraisers. We'll get into that in a bit. Um, but yeah, I don't think that any that any of the films outside of the trilogy are no good. I just think that the the trilogy is the closest to the source material you're going to get. That's the max you're going to pull from that source material before it gets wonky. Um, those wonky ones later on, sure, they can reinvent the canon and, and do fun things with it and all of that. I just, that original source material is where the, the meat and potatoes of the meal is. The rest is kind of, you know, they're good, uh, they're cool, 
Um, they're just, they're not the core of the franchise. So anyway, I went off the rails a little bit there, but let's get back to it. So um, <clears throat> where the fuck was I? Holy crap. So Hellraiser, yeah. Um, one and two, close to the source material. Three, Pinhead's in a weird sculpture. Four, he's in space. And then down the line, we start getting weird. Now, oh, wait, actually, uh, Inferno is actually number five. So, yeah. One, Hellraiser. Two, Hellbound, Hellraiser. Two, three, uh, he's in a sculpture. Four, he's in space. Five, okay, there's a glimmer of hope. And then off the deep end. As far as the original material, this story has gone on in a variety of different forms. Now, while Clive Barker was mainly involved, obviously he wrote The, Hel- the Hellbound Heart, um, and he directed the first Hellraiser film. He signed all of the rights away to the, the concept and characters and all of that to the production company at the time. So he wasn't involved in any of the rest of the Hellraiser franchise, but he definitely laid out the groundwork for what... and. Again, huge disclaimer here. This is my interpretation of it. But one of the things that I love most about Hellraiser is the concept of if you if you seek to go to the furthest extremes of something, if you are are the thrills and the um, kind of the pleasures, I guess, for lack of a better term. You know, I hate that word pleasures because I start to feel like a creep. But and not a good kind of creep. Not like radio for the creeps kind of creep. A creep like you know peeking through bushes creep. But if you get to those furthest expanses, that the, the first, the furthest outreaches of what is acceptable as far as pleasures and um, desires and uh, living life to excess, uh, the hell that you seek, you inevitably end up on the wrong side of things, and the hell that you seek is the hell that you'll find. And the way that works is. You open up the puzzle box not because, oh, I'm a I'm an innocent guy and I'm just kind of hanging out and I like to do puzzles and you do the puzzle box and then, oh, holy shit, you're in hell. No, it's people like Frank, people who are deviants, people who are no longer amused with the average, the run-of-the-mill thrills and excitement. They're out there, man. They're, you know, like whippets aren't good enough, man. They got to do a whippet on the back of a fucking bull, you know, riding a surfboard. That's the kind of excess we're talking about. Ridiculousness. So the idea that if you're seeking those types of thrills, those super out there, edge of the edge of what is reasonable kind of thrills, edge not even edge of what is reasonable, edge of what is realistically possible type of thrills, um, this is the hell that you're seeking and the hell that you're going to find. And the, the Cenobites are essentially they're the bringers of that evil. Um, further on in, you know, there's a lot of, uh, themes of sadomasochism and excess and, you know, uh, torture and, and those kind of that, uh, that bringing things right up to the edge of what is, you know, where pain and pleasure kind of mix and they kind of co-mingle. Uh, there's a lot of those themes all throughout Hellraiser. There's a huge, obviously a huge sadomasochistic kind of undertone there with the chains and the bondage and all of that. Um, that idea of seeking, you know, becoming numb to the things that are normally thrilling and seeking out the furthest furthest reaches of that uh, leading to your ultimate demise is something that gets explored a lot later in Hellraiser films also. And it's something that becomes like kind of the core principle of the franchise is that these are, are bad people 
And they're bad mainly because they're no longer thrilled by the usual. So they're out there doing the insane in order to, to get their, their rocks off, so to speak. And that's why I really like Inferno, which Hellraiser, Infer- Hellraiser Inferno, uh, as I mentioned before, was directed by Scott Derrickson. Scott Derrickson you may know of from Sinister, Sinister 2, uh, Urban Legends Final Cut he did. He also did Doctor Strange. Uh, by the way, Sinister is a phenomenal film if you haven't watched it. There's some moments in Sinister that are as scary as anything you're going to find. You should check out Sinister. But Inferno deals with a cop. He's a dirty cop. He's a crooked cop. And, you know, he does a lot of bad shit, basically. In the beginning, it's very early on in the film that you realize that uh, this officer is a scumbag, right? Through his scumbag pursuits, I guess we'll say, you know, through his excess and drugs and, you know, uh, bedding prostitutes and things like that, he, you start to realize that this guy, he, he doesn't have that line. He's well beyond it. He's crossed it. And the premise of the film, spoiler alert right here, if you haven't seen Hellraiser Inferno, go watch it and then come on back. We'll wait again. Just waiting on you. Okay, so you've watched Hellraiser Inferno now, right? That's how the magic of pausing a recording works. Um, Huge spoiler alerts in case you haven't watched it. Uh, Through seeking these, you know, the excess, basically, through doing the thing in order to find the thrill, he ends up opening the box and he has an interaction with the engineer. The engineer is Pinhead. In the original book, Pinhead wasn't called Pinhead. He was called the engineer. So... Throughout the whole film, he, this cop, he's seeking out the engineer. He's literally seeking out the person who's going to bring hell to his door. But what's interesting about Inferno is it's a hell of his own making. And this is kind of what I've been rambling and in, in, in ineloquently getting at is it's the hell of his own making. The, the things that he does in his life, the terrible things that he's a part of that he partakes in, that is the hell that he has to live every day from then on out. So basically, it's the you made your bed, now you got to lay in it principle to like the nth degree because your bed is made of chains and hooks ripping your skin apart. So I think Inferno is actually one of the better of the sequels. Uh, I think it's a really cool film and I think it's really cool how they deal with that. That core nugget of the original lore is, you know, Frank was seeking out pleasures of the flesh as they like to say in the film. There's a lot of... Okay, there's a lot of quotes from Hellraiser that are super cringy to say out loud. And I'm realizing that as we start doing this podcast that there's a lot of quotes and and basically like marketing material for the film that I just don't even really feel comfortable saying, like the phrase pleasures of the flesh. But anyway, Frank is seeking out the pleasures of the flesh. Uh, and that's how he ends up getting himself into trouble with the Cenobites and, you know, his escape from hell, not wanting to face his punishment and all that, you know, on and on and on. In Inferno, it's it's that hell of his own making. Uh, Frank made his bed and had to lay in it. He was a piece of shit human who did piece of shit things, and now the Cenobites are on his ass. Uh, same thing in Inferno. I think there's something really cool, and there's a simple line to that about, you know, the the trouble you seek is the trouble that finds you. And that's Hellraiser, right? So, on to the, the next thing now. We've gone down the line. There have been 10? 10, yeah. There have been 10 Hellraiser films 
uh, books, comic books, the whole bit, obviously merchandise and all of that. So 10 films later, some of them are hits, some of them are misses. There's a, a central kind of theme there about excess and the the search for cheap thrills and where that search is going to take you and, and what horrors you may open up for yourself. Uh, the Cenobites being the, the bringers of that pain and suffering. Um, through all of this, this, you know, I mean, we're in 2020, you're... <laughs> the year of our own demise 2020 um we are now 33 years 33 years since the original hellraiser and here we are talking about a hellraiser remake uh this is exciting for fans of of hellraiser um mainly because we've been here before and just being honest with you guys uh we've been here before and we've been here quite a bit uh, but it's exciting because it, there's something that feels real about this. The timing's right. The horror is at a, a good moment right now for, you know, Hellraiser to come back. And the, we've seen Texas remakes. We've seen Friday remakes. We've seen Nightmare remakes. Let's let's get the old Cenobite gang back together and, and, and get the band back together and see what they can do. Uh, on the topic of how many times it's been teased that there's going to be a remake. Oh, boy. Okay, so in 2006, Dimension Films announced a remake. It later fizzled out. In 2007, it was announced again that a remake was going to be coming up, but that later fizzled out. In October of 2010, it was announced there was going to be another reboot of Hellraiser, only for that news to fizzle out. Then in October of 2013, Clive Barker said he would like to be involved in a remake of Hellraiser and actually noted that he was personally writing a new remake of Hellraiser. Now, that, of course, also fizzled out. Uh, you know, in, in 2017, so a whole four years later, Clive Barker revealed that the film had not moved forward. So he said he delivered a script to Dimension, but that was the last anyone had heard about it, and yeah. Hellraiser Judgment then comes up, which is another film in the franchise. I think Hellraiser Judgment was number 10 in the franchise. Um, but yeah, so we've seen this announced and then ultimately fizzle out four times in the 2000s, right? And so the most recent of which is uh, the announcement in around May of 2019. Um they're announced that they're going to be making a remake of Hellraiser. And it originally was reported that David S. Goyer would produce it and write the script for it. There really wasn't a lot more details at the time other than talking about where Goyer had been, what he had done. You know, I, I think that that's definitely worth noting the fact that, you know, we're talking about somebody who worked on, you know, the Blade trilogy, uh, Batman versus Superman, and most notably the Dark Knight trilogy. So this is somebody who really could bring a unique perspective to the Hellraiser kind of lore. Now, that was all we heard about it for a while. It didn't fizzle out so much as it just went quiet for almost a year. Here we are, it's May 1st, and a couple of weeks ago it's announced that David Bruckner is going to direct. Now it's starting to have some legs behind it. Um, Somewhere along the lines, David S. Goyer is not writing it, he's producing it, and it's actually being written by Ben Collins and Luke Piotrowski. God, I probably butchered that name. Luke 
Piotrowski and Ben Collins are writing it. David S. Goyer is going to produce it. And David Bruckner is going to direct. Uh, all of this is under the Spyglass Media Group, you know, production company, which, again, Goyer is a large part of. So here we are. We're actually making some movement. We've got writers, producers, directors, this, that, the other. We actually may see the uh, five times over teased and now hopefully actually going to happen Hellraiser remake that we've been waiting for. And now let's for a minute talk about our, our newly assigned hero of the Hellraiser world, David Bruckner, who will be directing this thing. Um, there's a lot there. I, you know, relatively new director, but his track record is going to speak for itself. So let's dive into that a little bit. If you're anything like me, you're a big fan of the uh, anthology series kind of thing. Now, I mean, obviously it starts with the one, the only creep show, right? I mean, that's the anthology film that everybody thinks of. But there have been some really notable ones, including VHS and the the following sequels. And then uh, one recently, Southbound in 2015. Uh, and David Bruckner. He had a segment in each. In VHS, he did the segment Amateur Night, and in Southbound, he did The Accident. So and then following up on Southbound, he released The Ritual, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, on top of that, he directed two episodes of the recent Creepshow TV series, which I also am a huge fan of. Um, he did The Companion, which is the, you know, the scarecrow with the heart uh, of the of the farmer's wife that um, is a friend till the end, but in a bad way. Uh, and then there's the, he also did the man in the suitcase episode, which was another, that was a really excellent uh, segment for the creep show TV series. So yeah, he doesn't have a ton of director credits, right? Um, but in there he has some real punch with VHS Southbound, the ritual creep show night house and now Hellraiser. So hopefully we're onto something here. So let's talk a little bit about The Ritual. The Ritual is a 2017 horror movie um, dealing with a group of friends. They head out into the woods and they encounter a presence, we'll say. Um, spoiler alert, you're going to want to skip ahead a few seconds right about here. It's got friggin' Wendigos in it. Yeah, like the, the wood monsters. Yeah. Anyway. A uh, group of friends, they, they head out into the woods for a camping trip and all hell breaks loose. It was a Netflix release in 2017. Uh, it's really well done. And honestly, it's just one of those, you know, if, if you like horror movies about going out to the woods and the woods literally attacking you, you should check out The Ritual. Uh, directed by David Bruckner. It's really an excellent film. And uh, yeah, you should definitely give it a look. We've got some legs for our Hellraiser remake here. We, we've definitely got some legs. We've got some folks with some, they're, they're up and coming, but they've got some, some, you know, some track record behind them to speak of. And yeah, so hopefully we'll see this thing actually happen. So here we are today. After 10 years of Dimension Films teasing these remakes that never quite happened, there's a lot of rumor there about uh, Bob Weinstein kind of wanting to do a more kinder, gentler Hellraiser and it keep getting kept getting shut down. Um, you know, people who were obviously huge fans of Hellraiser wanted to keep it true to the original and they would write these gory, sadomasochistic kind of pieces and Weinstein would again shut them down. And anyway, after 10 years, it's not a dimension problem anymore. It's now with Spyglass. 
David S. Goyer producing, written by Ben Collins and Luke Piotrowski, at least as of right now, and directed by David Bruckner. And hopefully we're going to get to see a really cool reimagining of Hellraiser. Now that said, there's a little more in the language around the Hellraiser film that lends itself to reimagining than in our next topic. And our next topic is HBO announced a Hellraiser series that's coming. And this is really friggin' cool because there's some really important names attached to this one that I'm personally very hyped for. We're going to cover all of that now. So Hellraiser the show being picked up by HBO. Now, if you, you're kind of following along here, HBO is not really known for their horror outings. Uh, they did True Blood, which was as much a soap opera as it was anything horror related. So for true for HBO, uh, <laughs> for True Blood, I almost said, for HBO, this is an actual horror series that they're looking to take on. I think that's an interesting thing. I think that HBO is a great vehicle for it because they can... They can certainly go down the R road with it and everything, but more interesting than just having a Hellraiser film being talked about on top of a Hellraiser show is the fact that David Gordon Green, who recently directed Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills, the sequel that we have yet to see, but uh, is on its way. David Gordon Green is signed on kind of in a a show lead, um, the head of show kind of role. He's going to direct the pilot and a few of the other episodes and he's also going to have a pivotal role in this series which is i mean that's major he's a a major name right now for horror and he's doing some wonderful things um they also have a a decent writing team behind the the uh series deadline has reported that the series will be written by genre and action veterans mark verheiden and michael doherty now Mark Verheiden uh, is from Battlestar Galactica, Daredevil and Heroes, and Michael Doherty from X-Men United, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and Trick or Treat. So now, that's pretty dope. We've got, we've got a, a guy at the wheel here who just got done directing Halloween 2018, which was stellar, and Halloween Kills. We've got a writer who wrote Trick or Treat. I mean, Trick or Treat is an amazing film as well as being produced by Roughhouse Pictures, which is, of course, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. So there's a lot of of juice behind this one. Uh, And now, according to the the press release, uh, the Hellraiser TV series is going to stay kind of a continuation of that Hellraiser lore that we're all familiar with. So whereas the film that's coming up is going to be a little bit of a remake on Hellraiser and and a bit of a reimagining there, the show is going to be a continuation of that story and that that kind of lore. But Pinhead is making another appearance. So yeah, some big news in the world of sadomasochistic, leather-wearing, face-ripping Cenobites from Hell, uh, also known as Hellraiser. Um, For us fans of the franchise, this is a great time. I mean, yes, they've been teasing these remakes for like the last decade. And Dimension going back for 10 years basically has done everything they can to make sure they retain the rights by letting out these, uh, I don't want to call them bad, but they're less than awesome Hellraiser films. The last two were definitely less than awesome. Um, But luckily the, you know, the situation is where now Spyglass has a chance to take over and put out something really interesting. I think that Having David Bruckner involved is a big move. That's a, a huge move for the series. Having David Gordon Green and Roughhouse involved, that's a huge move. Uh, hopefully we're going to get to see this actually come to fruition. And honestly, what a great time to be a horror fan. We've got all these wonderful things going on. We've got 
creep show the tv series making a comeback they're they're coming back for season two we've got halloween kills that is due out in theater soon um you know the follow-up to halloween 2018 which was a masterpiece now we've got some new hellraiser going on we've got a hellraiser show going on i you know there's a lot of really cool things to be excited about right now for horror fans. And then, you know, you can go off the other end of the spectrum and talk about Blumhouse and their deal with Universal now to bring Universal monsters back to the big screen. So we're seeing the Invisible Man and who knows what's next from them. Um, it's, it's really, this is exciting stuff. I think that horror is hitting a really cool stride right now. And I think that unlike the five other times we've been teased with a remake of Hellraiser, I think that there's some legs to this one. And I think that the timing is right. And hopefully we're going to get to see this thing made. Uh, Oh, I almost forgot my Hellraiser story. So 1987 Hellraiser comes out. My local newspaper decided to run a picture of pinhead in the newspaper. And it was a full page picture. I hadn't seen the movie yet. I was seven years old. I hadn't seen it yet, but I was horrified of that picture. I mean, hell, you know, Pinhead, he he's a he's a sight, you know. Um, my dad, being a prankster, much like I pride myself on being, uh, decided that my attraction. Okay, I'm telling the story in circles here, but let me let me go back to the beginning a bit. I, from a very young age, probably about five years old, I was interested in horror mainly because it scared me, not because it didn't. It did. It it horrified me as a kid, but it was like that car crash kind of thing. I just couldn't peel my eyes away from horror films so my dad would always say things to me like why are you gonna watch this horror movie if it's just gonna give you nightmares i don't want to deal with your nightmares come on dad let me watch a horror movie no way it gives you nightmares and i guess he didn't really get where i was coming from you know probably the conflict of being a dad who wanted to protect me from something that would upset me you know that kind of stood in his way of understanding it you know i'm sure but so he would always say i'm not gonna let you watch these horror films you're just gonna have nightmares this that the other i don't know why you love this stuff and you know I was just terrified. So this newspaper article, though, with the full page Hellraiser, you know, the full page ad for Hellraiser was Pinhead's face, and I wanted it. I wanted to keep it. And my dad was like, this is giving you nightmares, this, that, the other. He was going to break me of this this weird obsession with horror that was scaring the crap out of me. I'm a seven-year-old kid. I take my shower, and I get out of the shower, and I take the towel off of the back of the door, and boom, Pinhead is staring at me. My father had taped the full page ad of Pinhead to the back of the bathroom door, put my towel back over it so that it wasn't seen. So basically, I about died of a heart attack at seven because my father thought it would be funny slash and or maybe break me of my fear of horror. But yeah, so seven years old, fresh out of the shower, trapped in the bathroom by Pinhead himself. That's my Hellraiser story. Um, You wonder why I'm fucked up as an adult. Uh, I think that's probably... That's probably your first clue right there. Thanks, Dad. So yeah, um, that's my Hellraiser story. It's been scaring the shit out of me since I was a kid. I love it. Um, I'm, I'm super hyped to see these things come up. I, you know, I, I really, I can't wait. I just, again, all of this is said with a, with like a huge disclaimer at the bottom of the screen that reads, "We've heard this all before. Let's hope it really happens. If this really happens with this lineup that they've got right now." Uh, I couldn't be more excited about it. I think that we've got a couple of home runs here in the making. And obviously, any more news that comes up, I'll cover. Uh, I also wanted to mention that in case you were wondering, Hellraiser 1 and 2 is currently streaming. 
So if you haven't seen one and two, which again, I think is the real meat of the franchise. If you haven't seen one and two, they are streaming right now. And since we all have nowhere to be by, you know, by law of the government, we're not supposed to be anywhere. So we're all stuck inside. Anyhow, you can watch Hellraiser one and two and catch up with the, with, in my opinion, the meat of the franchise. You can stream Hellraiser for a minimal rental fee on various streaming sites. Or if you're a Shutter user, which, I mean, come on, if you're listening to this podcast and you're as big into horror as I am, you're probably already a Shutter sub. Shutter has Hellraiser 1 and 2 right now. You can watch them there. Um, yeah, I, I definitely recommend catching up with Hellraiser 1 and 2. If you want to see that decline I discussed earlier where it starts to go off the rails, 3 and then 4, and by 4 you'll be like, what the hell? Then, of course, something that I strongly recommend with no irony at all. No, this isn't a backhanded jab at the film, but I definitely recommend checking out Hellraiser Inferno. I think there's something really cool with that film about how it's the hell of your own making. And I think that that's a really cool premise for a horror film. Yeah, uh, Hellraiser Inferno, I definitely recommend checking out. That one, on the other hand, though, is not on Shudder. Currently, you can rent... Hellraiser Inferno for $3.99 on Amazon. You can get it on, you know, same price on Google and Apple. If you're willing to drop the four bucks on a film, I recommend uh, Hellraiser Inferno. I think there's a lot, it's, there's, there's more to that than the other, you know, easily dismissed kind of late Hellraiser straight to video ones. I think that's a pretty great film. And again, directed by Scott Derrickson, who we all know now is actually one of our, our great horror minds of the current times. So, Yeah. That's my rundown on Hellraiser. Uh, let me know what you're most excited for. You're looking more forward to the TV show. You're looking forward to the film. Do you not care about any of this? Do you? Do, are you not even listening anymore? Let me know. And of course, this is the first episode of Radio for the Creeps. So if you guys have any kind of feedback for me, I would really appreciate hearing it. You can follow up with me on Twitter at Matt Shacha and uh, you know yell at me and tell me to stop doing this or tell me it was great and do more. Provide any of the feedback you can. I appreciate every bit of it and uh, I look forward to hearing from you guys. I'll be back with another episode soon. Thank you for listening.